about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. We are second week into Galatians, as Sans already told you, and the word of the week uh, is the word revelation. That's the word of the week, to week this week, uh, so remember that. I don't know what comes into your head when you hear the word revelation, so it's a, not really a word used much these days to describe anything at all. All, all it means is something being revealed, something being uncovered, being made known. And when, when I think of the word revelation, I often think of those moments I have in nature when the ferocity, the beauty, the stunning majesty of the earth kind of unfurls before you. Cass and I had one of these moments a few years back when we took our obligatory drive along the Great Ocean Road. Obviously, you're obligated to do it. Twelve Apostles, London Bridge, can't remember the names of the other ones. Now, we, we did all that, and we had more time, and so we started exploring some of the national parks. And as I was delving into the maps, I saw one in particular that looked really interesting. I'd never seen a forest named that before, so I thought, let's go have a look at that. Uh, we went to find it, we drove past it a couple of times, it was hard to spot, it was barely signed, it was eroded, like it was, it was hard to find. We got there, and uh, you know, let's go check this out, obviously not many people come here, maybe it's really awful. Uh, and we opened the door and we got out. And as soon as we opened the door, it's hard to describe the atmosphere, but it was eerily silent. And then as we walked closer into the grove, it's like the silence grew. You know, you know how that happens sometimes? Silence grows. And as we walked into it, all of a sudden, this, this grove opened before us and we're drawn upward like you are when you walk into this church at these trees that are just 100 meters high. Some absolute genius decided 90 years ago to plant Californian redwoods in the middle of the Otway National Park. And I, I, like I, I want to high-five him one day. And um, there's just this stunning, remarkable place. And we just found ourselves wandering among these redwoods, just kind of uh, captivated by the, the revelation of nature's beauty and majesty. See, that's what's in my head when I think about things being revealed. Moments like that. They, there's lots of moments of revelation in everyday life, I think. Like that time when you're sitting across from a friend and they let something out of them, something uh, you've never heard about from them before, and you're like, oh, that's what you're like. Or when you're at work and there's that puzzle problem you're trying to solve and you're busting a gut to do it, and you walk away to get coffee and you come back and you go, Eureka, that's it, I've got it. You know those sweet little moments where things unravel and are revealed before us? Moments of revelation are moments of wonder in life, I think. And you know, the book of Galatians is written to people who really should understand the wonder of the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, not nature has made itself known, nor any friend nor some puzzle, but the God of the universe has revealed Himself. 
And what we see in the book of uh, Galatians is that the Galatians have kind of taken up the revelation of the gospel and gone, well, is it really that special? Is it really from God? Is it really as unique as, and extraordinary as Paul has made it out to be? It's a place we, we can all end up in, wondering whether the Bible and Jesus and the gospel are really something extraordinary at all. What Paul says today is simple. He says, you know what? The gospel of Jesus Christ that I preach is revealed from Jesus. It's a revelation of Jesus. And because of that, it transforms. It's from Jesus. It's about Jesus. And because of those two things, it transforms. So take a hold of it, he says to the Galatians. So let's get amongst it. Uh, The first thing is that it is revealed from Jesus. And you get this beautifully in verse 11. I know some of the Bible is hard to understand at times, but at points it just kind of tells you straight. And Paul tells you exactly what this whole text is about straight away. I want you to know, okay, helpful, uh, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. Simple topic statement. Thing, the good news about what has happened in Jesus what he preaches was not made up by any man or any woman. He goes on, I didn't receive it from anyone and I wasn't taught it. So no one else kind of gave it to me. He says it was revealed directly to me from Jesus Christ. Now this is a really important sentence. And, and it's really interesting to me that the Galatians are questioning whether the gospel's from uh, from God in Paul's mouth. Because uh, people today are asking exactly the same questions. I was speaking to a yoga teacher I met a few weeks ago, and she was, uh, lives on the northern beaches and has some teenagers, and they were talking around the table. I guess they have spiritual conversations. That's a great thing to have as a family. And they were talking about Jesus and the Bible. And they decided, uh, after Googling a bit and thinking about it, that, 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 okay, there's Jesus, and then there's the Bible. And the Bible is kind of written by people, but Jesus was something else. And so you, you, you kind of can't get to Jesus through the Bible. They're separate things. Apparently, that's very, very similar to what the Galatians thought. They didn't think that what Paul had was from God either. They thought he had made it up, maybe. That it was just another human word. But what he goes on to do in the rest of the passage is prove it by way of his life. Now that seems like a very strange thing to do, but Paul's life and what happened in it is a puzzle that is really only solved by direct encounter and contact with Jesus Christ. He starts off by describing his life beforehand. And, you know, it's a fairly simple thing. He was a really good Jew, and he had one very simple mission in verse 13. He thought the cult of Christianity deserved to no longer be on the planet. He says, I intensely persecuted it, and I tried to destroy it. That's pretty full on. He goes on in 14 to describe how he was a Jew, like above Jews, better than other people his own age, extremely zealous. He was a Jew of Jews, vehemently opposed to Christianity. But then something happened. And after it, maybe some career counseling, perhaps someone had a gentle word with him, perhaps he stubbed his knee, I don't know, hit his head. But after, he does this dramatic career transition. 
he decides, well, instead of obliterating the church, how about I expand it as far as possible? That's what is said in verse 23. The report about him is, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. From trying to obliterate the church, from taking it to the ends of the earth and advancing it. That is the stark difference in the life of Paul. And he goes on to explain a little bit more. He says, you know, in that moment when that transition happened, I didn't talk to anyone. It literally says in verse 16, I did not consult flesh and blood. He says in 17, he didn't go to Jerusalem. That was the hub of the Christian movement. He didn't talk to the apostles. He spent three years in Arabia and Damascus and only then went up to Jerusalem, hung out, high-fived Peter for 15 days, who was one of the apostles, and James, the brother of Jesus. They hung out. That was cool. But that was three years later. When he went out preaching in verse 21, no one knew who he was. What's he saying? He's saying, I went from vehemently, murderously opposing to advancing, and I didn't speak to any human being between the two. Solve that puzzle. He says the only way to square this is that I received my gospel from Jesus himself. Who else would I have learned it from? Some gentle persuasion from someone to stop me being a murderer into being, uh, you know, this great preacher of the gospel. Paul's life demonstrates his transforming encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, drink this in for a minute. It's so important. Because when you deal with Paul, when you deal with his gospel, you're not just dealing with him. Who are you dealing with? You're dealing with Jesus. Because Paul is directly commissioned, directly sent, directly given the gospel by Jesus. This is so important. There's no distance between the Jesus of history and the word. Jesus commissions Paul, sends him directly. That alters the way you understand and relate to the good news of Jesus. If if it really sinks in, it's from him. That gospel that he died for your sins, that he rose again on high, that he's saving you from judgment, it's from Jesus of Nazareth, risen from the grave. And those scriptures that Paul wrote, commissioned by the same Jesus, it changes the way you read it. All Scripture comes from Him. The Gospel comes from Revelation, Paul tells us emphatically with the demonstration of his own life. But when you get into the the moment when Paul's life changes, you also start to see that it's not just a revelation from Jesus. What Paul experienced was a revelation of Jesus. Jesus was the content of the revelation. How do you turn a destructive person into an instrument of glory? What do you do to that person? Paul says, I saw Jesus. See how he describes it? Verse 15. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, that, uh, did you notice in, when, when Anna read Jeremiah that, that that phrase of being set apart from birth and being commissioned as a prophet, that's from Jeremiah. That's a really, uh, a really Hebrew phrase. It's like Paul is taking up the language of Jeremiah, that just like Jeremiah, God has a plan for him. 
to use him powerfully as an instrument before he'd even been born. And yet the dramatic difference for Paul is that he is an instrument of destruction opposing God. And yet what does he say? He called me by his grace and was pleased. Can you imagine anyone in all the world less worthy of grace than Paul? In 1 Timothy, when he's talking about Jesus, he says, you know, Jesus died for sinners of whom I am the worst. Pretty good case, hey? Genocidal mania against the church. Pretty good case. How does Jesus approach him? How does God approach him? With grace, pleased to do something. Do you think your sin is beyond his grace and mercy? The life of Paul says, of course not. That's how Paul understood his life. It was an example that Jesus will show grace to anyone, any sin. But what was the the content of what God was pleased to do? What, What was the thing that God wanted to give him? He wanted to reveal his son in him. Drink that in. Reveal His Son in Him. See, the biggest gift that God the Father can give you is a, is a picture, a revelation, a direct encounter, a, a knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of the Father who makes God fully known. To know Him is to know life. To know Him is to be transformed. And Paul describes, it's incredible, Him being revealed inside Him. As if, and meeting Jesus and seeing him fully like fills and consumes him from the inside out. You know, I find this really helpful because um, I find it really hard to describe why I became a Christian often. People ask me and they kind of, uh, they ask me wanting a reason. And I find that hard. See, I ended up at church when I was 15. Uh, I grew up in a home that we Uh, I went to Sunday school sometimes when basketball wasn't on, and I went to a church school, but we didn't talk about Jesus, we didn't really read the Bible, we didn't do really any of that. And I ended up at youth group at church because my friend was chasing this girl, and I was sort of his wingman. True story. Now, um, and and, you know, they, they read the Bible, and they talked about Jesus, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And sometimes they'd ask me questions about the things they'd read about Jesus. And I'd just look back at them like, I have no, you might as well be talking Spanish. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I remember what happened next. Um, One of the leaders started reading the Bible with me one-to-one. And I can't really describe to you what happened. I find it so hard to understand. Because when we started reading and talking about Jesus, it's like Jesus went 3D. It's like he just popped off the page. Like he stopped being an idea and he became a person. And I don't know, I was a 15-year-old boy and I fell in love with him. I don't know what else to tell you, but when I read this text, I'm like, that's what happened. God the Father was pleased through the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus Christ in me. To show me Jesus. The most precious gift that he could ever give. You know that moment when you're singing a song uh, in church and it just seems to whew, be real? Or you're, you're reading the word and something just like grips you, it jumps off the page. Or you're talking to someone and, and suddenly the, the God you're talking about, it, he's just, he's, it's like he's there with you. 
You know what those moments are, right? It's your Father giving you the greatest gift imaginable. He's revealing the Son in you. Revealing who Jesus Christ is. Is a remarkable thing that we often just let pass by. You see, the gospel is revealed from Jesus, according to Paul, but it's also a revelation of Jesus. And because it's those two things in Paul's life, it transformed him completely. See, when Jesus is revealed to you and it consumes you, it really knocks you around completely. See how it knocks Paul around? There's a before and an after in this text. And uh, there's, there's a few ways it, it happens. In, in verse 13 and 14, there's a really interesting omission from, from my mind when he's describing his old life. He doesn't mention God except as the thing he opposed. He mentions a lot about himself, but, but what, do, what happens at the end of the text when people are talking about him, he says, and they praised God because of me. Before he encountered Jesus, he had some sort of religiosity, but it was just about him. But after he met Jesus, all of a sudden, his story was about Jesus and about the glory of God. In verse 10, he talks about how, am I just trying to please people? No, because then I wouldn't be a servant of God. When someone encounters Jesus Christ, they stop being someone who looks for the approval and opinion of others and become someone who instead lives as a servant of who Jesus is and what he wants. And you know, it's not just for Paul, an inward spiritual experience what, what God the Father does is reveal Jesus to him, and that propels him outward to preach. You see what the, the difference here? I can tell you all about the me-centered, people-pleasing, inwardly spiritual man. And I can tell you the glimpses of the servant, Christ-centered, outward man. And the difference between the two is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is living in that picture, that revelation, that encounter of who He is. Now you might be thinking about this and thinking, well Matt, I I have not had Jesus go 3D for a really long time. Or for you, the Bible might be a really interesting thing for your head, but it really does nothing to warm your heart. Or you might be thinking, Matt, that sounds really interesting, but I have no idea how you would get there. Not just just reading the Bible, but seeing and experiencing and knowing Jesus. That's the beating heart of faith. You know, I catch myself sometimes, and I call myself on Monday, uh, just kind of going through the motions. I was reading the Bible, I was reading Daniel, and I was really just reading because I felt that I should read before I did anything else. And I was just reading to be done with reading to do the next thing. And all of a sudden I caught myself and I said, you know, Matt, it's not about that. This is not just a human book. This is about encountering and knowing Jesus. And what I did, I was reading uh, Daniel 8, and it it's a prophecy about Jesus and how he goes to God and gets the power and authority and glory from God, reigns. 
And I just took those three words, power, glory, and authority, and closed my eyes, and I sat on them for a little bit. I let them kind of churn around in me, and my imagination started to picture the world covered in a canopy. That this rain and this power and this glory was this sheet that covered the earth, and that my Jesus owned that sheet. And just by wandering around the world, uh, the words for a minute or so, Jesus popped up and came 3D. You see, when you're in nature and you have those moments of, whoa, do you know what you do? You don't rush. You just wander. That's what we did among the redwoods that day. You just wandered around. And the experience of sitting and wandering is what often leads me to encounter Jesus when I open his word, when I'm sitting in prayer. And it's those moments that shift my day from being me-focused, people-pleasing, and inward to being Jesus-focused, servant, and outward. John Steinbeck, when he was uh, touring America and encountered the redwoods, he wrote about them for a bit. And he said, you know, the reason why redwoods, uh, why they leave such an impression on us, why they press in on us, why that's such an indescribable feeling is not because they're really big. He says it's because they are ambassadors from another time. Standing as witnesses for ages and ages and years and years and years. You see, it's when your heart begins to understand that Jesus Christ was an ambassador from another time. God the Son come down from heaven, bearing the cross, bearing your shame for you, that God the Father through the Spirit might reveal Him and pull you into a relationship with Himself. When your heart sees that, you start to live in the power, the gripping power of the revelation of the Gospel. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we come today and we we do find that the, the gospel in our hands, it becomes, it just kind of looks human after a while, becomes ordinary, becomes nothing. And yet what Paul has said to us today is that it, it came from Jesus and it is a revelation of him and because of those things that it transforms. And Father, we pray that you would afresh reveal the Son in us, that we would see our ambassador from another time in all of his love and majesty and glory, to such an extent that it would knock us off our course. Father, for us who feel that Jesus is just 2D and black and white, make it pop to 3D. To the glory of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand and sing with us? listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. 
For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.